listening to The Pseudo Show on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. On today's Pseudo Show, we have a special guest, the Denver indie rock band The Still Tide. Formerly out of Brooklyn, they've got a couple albums under their belt, and they're about to release their new EP, Half Empty Rooms. I'm joined here today by Aaron, Jacob, and Anna. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and sadly, Natalie can't be with us tonight. No, I wish I wish she could have. <laughs> well, that's cool. Um, three of you is better than... Usually, I only have one guest on these, so this is, this is already a party. <laughs> Woo! So even before we dive into your new EP and, and all the stuff going on with that, I do want to call out your, your last release, Tinder. Uh, it was one of radio station KRCC's top albums of 2014, and... Um, if you're not familiar, that's one of the fancy NPR branches here in Colorado. So, nice recognition there already. So, tell me about the new EP. Uh, what do you want to know about it? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> um, how long have you been working on it? Where have you been working on it? It's actually, it's funny that we're going on this tour in March, because I think we started working on these songs as a trio last March. Mm-hmm. And then... Yeah. We actually, it's kind of a funny, odd story. We got together, we are from New York, like met and played music and released Tinder in New York. And we released and made Tinder before, long before the dating app Timber, Tinder ever came about. <laughs> so I should say that once right. and for all. But uh, um, I'd moved out here kind of on accident a year prior, and then we'd all stayed in touch and got back together to kind of play music and just check things out. and. And, and they ended up liking it enough. So <laughs> we met up again in March and started working on songs, a lot of which would become Half Empty Rooms, um, and kind of did the whole internet sharing. We worked on some demos and recorded stuff, and then so shared just those. like Dropbox type Dropbox, yeah. yeah. The bedrock of modern collaboration. <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> yeah, which was fantastic, because then in um, July, Jake ended up moving out here, um, so suddenly he was here, and we went on a tour. Aaron came out, and we did a tour together, and actually toured those songs for the first time, and kind of you know put them out in the world and road tested them, and we're like, oh, we like them, yeah. And yeah. then we ended up starting to track in September and built it from there. But it was kind of this like long process of us all like moving across the country. Yeah, and so then there were two different studios involved with this new EP. Yeah, we started tracking in Brooklyn uh, with Jeff Fettig, is that how you yep. say that? At the Creamery. Aaron set that up, and we did my guitars and his drums live together in a room. We just like looked at each other across the room really <laughs> intensely and did these parts. And then we took those to uh, Timothy Garrick at Mammoth Cave here in Denver, and he's amazing. And we were, we just loved that experience so much. We were originally just going to go in and do my vocals and some other tiny things, but we liked him so much. And Jake was like, well, maybe, yeah. maybe we could do some more work here. We were going to do my guitar and the Natalie's Wurlitzer just in my apartment. And then we went in and met with Tim and thought, man, that guy's pretty great. So, <laughs> but I, like but my, the over all the overdubs that I did, like some synth parts, some vibes, some percussion, and then some other things, which I don't even know what of which is where. Because <laughs> um, like, is that accordion track still in there? Maybe it is. Maybe you get that phantom audio. Yeah. Um, that was, I did those like literally, some of them like literally during the process of moving. So like I engineered the vibes parts, um, most of those in a rehearsal studio I have 
in Brooklyn that I share with some people. And then I did some things in my apartment. And then I did some things at my dad's pottery studio in West Virginia while I was literally like <laughs> driving out here and then stopped there for a couple of days and like unpacked all my stuff and like played a bunch of parts and emailed it, Dropbox it yeah. off and then like Dropbox packed my stuff back up and put it in my dad's closet and like kept driving out here. So. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Um, and all of you are involved in like tons of music projects, Arclife, Anthony Ruptack, These United States, um, a, a lot of pedigree here in the room. Is uh, How does the still tide fit into that? Is it sort of like the new child that you're trying to grow up? Or <laughs> it's uh, Actually, it's kind of always felt like the little child that we've yeah. been trying to grow up. It's f- funny, I think we um, we started seriously working on the project in New York and I guess over what was 2011 and 2013? Yeah. No, 2012. Yeah. No, it's 2011. Yeah, I guess that's when that was that's when we met. When, yeah, that was yeah. when I moved to Oh, New crazy. Oh, God, <laughs> it goes so far back. But we, we worked on this record. We did our Kickstarter campaign, which funded um, largely all of oh, Yeah, I watched Tinder. that video. That was oh, adorable. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes yeah. if you guys are cool with it. Uh, totally. You guys made a musical. That iteration of the band is actually even older. Yeah, um, that's true. That was because I was under a different name and... Mm. I guess we've been playing like probably 2009 was when we met. Yeah. I was thinking of that the yeah. other day. I, I can't remember if there was, there was a, might've been some other interview thing, that thing I sent off to you, Anna, but, um, I was trying to think how many bands we've collectively had at least two of us <laughs> in. And for me, oh it my cut God. off at, at, a, at least a half dozen, but I think there are more. Oh, that's crazy. Cause yeah, yeah. actually, God, that's even funnier. You guys did that project. And before mm. that, I know Jake, cause Jake has a solo project called the kissing club and mm-hmm. Jake and I played those songs and I like, snuck my way onto his national tour. I was like, come on, Jake, just please let me out. Just let me in the van. And so, And that's how I think we started working more and more together. Yeah. Um, and that's also a fantastic project that should be, should be more like to, visible. I like to think it's taking a, an unpaid sabbatical. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you're in this mini bands, I think a lot of them have to take yeah. sabbaticals. Yeah. The it's time. definitely a balancing um, act. And I think you might have already sort of answered it, but what does collaboration look like? It sounds like that's just your way of life as you're always working with other musicians and some of those things turn into real projects and some of them maybe not. Yeah. Um, I guess that's, yeah, I guess we all yeah. collaborate with so many people. Actually, and while I've... Natalie, actually, who plays Wurlitzer, has her own project called Natalie Tate. And since I've been away, actually, Jake's been playing with Natalie. <laughs> yeah. I feel like one day I'm going to turn around and Aaron will be in the band, too. And I'm like, hey, guys, wait a minute. Wait. <laughs> but yeah, everyone just like Musically polyamorous. Yeah, I definitely. That's yeah, swapping and Which is great, because it all you know feeds each other and... Just working with new people yeah. is such an inspiring you, thing. You learn things and you try out different things and, you know, different parts. Yeah, different parts, like, feed different parts of your musical mind. You exactly. Know? So it's, yeah. it's, I, think it's, I think it's healthy to do that. It's not healthy when you get to where I was in New York, where I was playing with 12 bands in pre-production for a Broadway musical and felt co- completely confident in my contri- contributions to none of them <laughs> yeah. he's like, not exactly like no he had really 12 bands yeah like, that's no no fake no yeah, like, anonymity or something or? <laughs> yeah it was you know it's just 
Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to do a lot of things, but not necessarily a lot of things. Not too many. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> so, and it seems like that would help with like burnout or writer's block because it's like the second like, oh, I, I just can't write a still tide song. Well, I've got these other projects that are humming along. That can I mean is that how it kind of works or? Yeah, I guess different energy musical will fuel its way into different things. Yeah. It find its way into different things. What do you guys do if you need to step away? Like, what do you have other hobbies? Do you like, oh, I need movies or I need books right now just oh, to movies feed and myself? Books. Yes, always <laughs> to both movies and books. Um, Anything you'd want to call out or recently? Or? Oh God, I mean that's uh, that's uh, the rock. I guess. I guess. What else do we do? Uh, <laughs> I guess recently. So, um, so some of us here. I'm not going to name any names. <laughs> are party to a shared HBO Go subscription, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also not going to say who actually owns this subscription. <laughs> but I I just started very late to the game watching The Sopranos, which is it's kind of fucked up. It's a really heavy <laughs> show, man. That explains so much. I didn't know yeah. this was going on in your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. But yeah, definitely movies and books. I can't think yeah. of what else we. I'm I'm do. a I'm a cooking guy. Like yeah. that's kind of what I. That's kind of my go to. I, I don't know. That's kind of like one of my go to things that I really really enjoy. Is there any certain like genres of cooking? Iron I, Chef competition. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, it's it's very much. Uh, as much as anything else in my life, but like I, I'm very, I don't know, subliminally affected by where I am and what I'm around. And I think that came partially from like, uh, I worked for a farm when I was in New York for a little bit doing like mostly farmer's market work. So I was like for a year and a half, I didn't go to the grocery store a single time. I was just like, cool, there's extra cabbage this week. So I'm going to like figure out everything awesome to do with cabbage. Um, but yeah, no, no. So it's, it's, it's very much affected by like what's around and here it's just, there's so much cool Southwestern. Yeah. stuff and tradition in this area. It's just like, I'm surrounded by great tacos, so I just want to make great tacos. <laughs> and anyone out of state listening, you gotta get some green chili, too. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Yes. That's, that's where chili. it is at. Yeah. I'm a believer. So, and maybe more to the, the Denver-specific stuff, what are the, the perks of playing in Denver? Or You know, there's, there's lots of good scenes, there's lots of bigger scenes, there's Austin, LA, New York, where you guys came from. Um, is there anything you want to say about Denver. Oh my God. I love Denver so much. Mm. I think I got so burnt out on New York. I love New York and I really do miss it. But as a band that seen it, at least from my tiny little viewpoint, <laughs> I won't be so like, you know, generalize the whole thing, but it felt so saturated. And I think there's so many bands kind of, you know, vying for the same attention and the same slots that it was, it was, it's, I guess the biggest benefit to playing in Denver is there's an immediate community and we're part of this massive community that's really excited about us and about you know like just music in general and we're excited about them and there's a real camaraderie that I, I don't think I ever really experienced in New York or probably anywhere else I think that's the biggest perk mm -hmm. of being here and 
And there's an audience that everyone is really excited about live music in general, <laughs> yeah. and that's crazy. Like, I, that's so exciting. Red Rocks is nice to have here too. Oh, and that's I mean, of gorgeous. course. Oh my god. Uh, there's it's a it, it's dumb, and I, I should I should know exactly what the statistic is that I'm citing. Um, but I read something recently that I'm now I've now forgotten. But it was about how often people go to see live performances. Um, and for whatever unit of time that they're measuring, whether it's like two weeks or a month or whatever, nationally the average is like 33% of people go to see a live performance. Hmm. Colorado is the highest percentage in the nation, and it's 52. No and way. Denver is the highest in Colorado, and it's 58. So people in, <laughs> oh, in, people in Denver go out to see live music or theater or dance or whatever at almost twice the national average, which to me is just Whoa. like, that's what it feels like, you know? It's great. I also found it's, it's kind of a nice honeypot for anyone who's touring across the whole nation, probably stops in Denver. Wow. Yeah, Either on the way out or on the way back. It's like, Where else are you going to yeah, stop in this part of the really, What's really interesting about that is I was actually just talking to some friends of ours who have lived here for between 10 and 20 years or grown up here. And 20 years ago, Denver wasn't a stop. It wasn't on the route. Like you would go Chicago, somewhere in Montana, like Billings or Bozeman <laughs> or something, and then Seattle. And Denver just wasn't a thing. Uh. But then the folks that run, like uh, Bluebird and Ogden and all of that, like they just started doing, offering really good deals to bands and like really trying to pull people wow. in. That's so like places like like the Bluebird, like High Dive, um, and even on a smaller level, like Larimer and Meadowlark. Oh, and Lost Lake. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's... Um, Although that's a bit different now. Yeah, well, maybe that's that's more indie, but well, they're they're actually um, part. Can we say that? Oh, on, uh, <laughs> well, they used to be because yeah. when I first got here, that was actually my first night in Denver. Yeah. I went to Lost Lake to see. <laughs> it turned out to be Clouds and Mountains and Kitty Cry. <laughs> no kidding. Who are now like you know good friends of ours, but roommates hilarious. of some of and ours. Roommates yeah. of some of ours. But um, that was before they'd done that whole room. It was just like kind of a back room of a bar, but now it's like a proper space yeah. with a stage and proper mm-hmm. PA. And they're, they're AEG, so like yeah, they're, they're part of this bigger thing. But that's, that's, that's sort of a sign of like bigger companies have been yeah, moving like in here. People are, taking, are, like, take, are seeing the potential in the market, you know? Mm-hmm. So this was the other way I was going to ask this question was like, if we don't want people to come and ruin it, <laughs> what's horrible about our scene so they oh, stay away? Yeah. I mean, you don't have to answer, honestly. It's really dry. <laughs> it's really yeah, dry. God, I mean... Yeah, I have to put skin. lots of lotion. Oh, <laughs> I'm, having, I'm having to budget for lotion and vitamin E on a monthly basis. Oh, I mean, you climb a flight of steps and you're done. Oh, it's... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> until you get used to it, and then can like go run a marathon without breaking yeah. a sweat yeah. anywhere else. Everyone I, is, my skin is still disturbingly not cheerful. <laughs> it's true. Coming from New York, yeah. actually, you're like like takes you a minute to be like you don't want anything from me. You just yeah. you just want to hug me for fun. And, and people are really presumptuous. I got an extra key made for my car today, and before they gave me my old car keys back they went and washed my car and detailed it without asking me. Man, what a... What, like, what kind of jerks? Like, it's really... 
<laughs> That's hilarious. For real? I was attached to that dirt. Thank you very much. It's my dirt. I I need that dirt. <laughs> so I did want to talk about the EP a little more. There was one of the songs I wanted to bring up, and um, the the first track, "Field of Bells." Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to tell you about my reaction, trying to make you guys blush or something. But um, <laughs> I really love this song, and it's. And, there's something specific I wanted to call out about it. Um, it's already like a delicious song. It's got like a great chord progression. It's very lush, very atmospheric. Um, but beyond that, there was like this rhythmic thing of like a lot of play with downbeat and upbeat. And like hmm. like on the chorus, like the, the chords hit on the upbeat. And then like at different parts of the song, the drums kind of hit on the upbeats. And I mean, it, maybe it's just <laughs> instinctual, but I wanted to like praise whichever one of you or if it just kind of happened as a group because I just love that about it it's like it's already a good song and then that that little play with the rhythm was really cool yeah thanks I yeah I guess I mean I'd probably lean to Aaron on that one I think what's been so perfect not perfect but beautiful about our collaboration is I think I think there's some kind of chemistry between us all that we all play really well together and I think there's a lot of like, oh yeah, do that again. That was great. Or like, oh no, 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 with this, blah, blah, blah. like, yeah. Which I feel like the more that I collaborate with anyone to know what that is for what it is, that that is a really rare and awesome thing. But it's funny. I guess I hadn't even really, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. How did you? How did you do that? Um, well, well, Jake, Jake's got a, wrote a great little chord progression there on that one. Um, mm-hmm. But actually, um, I'm trying to think because I, I know I think I know one of the moments you're talking about in the chorus where it like there's the little the, rest the, before the, biggest, the chord hits. Yeah, it, like it hits on beat one, but the emphasis is on beat two. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, four, two, three, four. It's on beat two <laughs> of the first bar of every other measure. <laughs> yeah, which yep. is really not something that you would hear very often which actually I'm going to even throw that like maybe Natalie's way like I'm oh, trying to remember because like the oh. way she was playing the whirly line was like a little bit different than so a technical note um, <laughs> in the band I'm playing for for a lot of the stuff I'm playing I play drums but I also have a keyboard that I'm playing with my right hand and I'm doing different things with it. Sometimes I'm doing like, you know, key traditional keyboard parts. Sometimes I'm doing bass lines. Um, that one, I think that, I think it was like Natalie was playing a variation on the keyboard part that I'd already was mm-hmm. playing. Mm-hmm. And there was something really delicious about beat two <laughs> and the way she was like hitting it that just made me want to like, yeah accent that hard well, what i liked was it wasn't just the one off there but like i think it's the verse after that the, the drums there's a moment where they like only hit on the two and four. Oh yes and that's yeah. an, that's and that, like, ca- that carried oh, it funny. forward oh god that's so funny <laughs> i've not thought about how these all came together but i think that was that, something that i tried to do vocally and then you guys were like that was cool let's do that all let's all do that and so then we all did that and then yeah. that developed because you, yeah, you're doing that more like staccato, like one, two, one, 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 two, three, four. And so we're like, uh, Jake and I were like, okay, cool, we'll play the exact opposite thing. Yeah, that's and, and yeah, it, worked, yeah. it worked out really or, nicely. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's a kind of funny song anyway, because unless yeah. I'm mistaken, it's the oldest song that we have. Oh, man. Because it, it must be. Anna it and I started be. working out the chords to it. Six years ago, yeah, wow. in a green room, and yeah, and in 
In Ybor City. <laughs> where the guy licked Adam's boot. Oh, oh my god, the Yes. This you lick one boot. This is before my. This is before my time that I've been this. Nuts. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I mean, that tour was wild, but that it was sounds a, like it. I can't believe you pulled that out. We've been trying to think about which green room that was in yeah. for like a year. Yeah, I'm, city green unless room. I'm totally mistaken. Wait, I am in fact totally mistaken. Oh dang it! Let's go with it anyway. anyway. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was another place, General South, like Florida, I felt like. Florida. Yeah. Where it's <laughs> southish. Where it's humid. <laughs> like, I'm imagining, like, humid summer green room. Like, yeah. probably. Yeah. I'll have to think about that one. Um, I did want to ask, like, is music full time for you guys? I've heard, I mean, in some of our chatter before we started recording, I was hearing about part time jobs, what's friendly when you come back from tour. <laughs> so I'm guessing not, but. <laughs> Yeah. Is it yeah. is it the cliche like oh, I got you know what kind of jobs do you guys work in between tours? Is there a secret career waiting in the wings? <laughs> I feel like it it's like the roller coaster ride. I feel like that changes probably for all of us depending on how long we're on the road and how long yeah. we're off. Mm-hmm. Like um, I guess yeah, Jake just moved here in July, so yeah. kind of like yeah. trying to. Move I've, in. I, I've been working as a innkeeper at a bed and breakfast in town. <laughs> That's and one of those things that just sounds made up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am a drawbridge. Yeah. <laughs> 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 We're not trying to make Denver sound for any some, more surreal. Yeah, I've, I've been keeping in for several months. <laughs> and, uh, and also working as a talent buyer for a venue in town. And Aaron has recently... Well, let's see here. Most of the time I was in New York, I was just playing music. And then I worked for a farm for a little bit. And now I eat lots Lots of cabbage, cabbage. which I love. We call those the cabbage. Homemade sauerkraut, man, it's... You'd have to win me over because I don't like sauerkraut. Then you haven't had the right. <laughs> but if you, if you know how to make real sauerkraut, it's, I will try. It's, it's like it's got to be. It's got to be the right stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. So I've I've done that um, right now. Just like trying to like get my feet on the ground here in Denver. I'm doing some really like an avant-garde barista gig is what I'm going to call it. That's <laughs> like, so perfect. It's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit surreal sometimes, but it's cool. Um, is there anything else you guys would do if it wasn't music you have an alter I, ego, a, a secret college degree or I mean, I guess we all have college anything. Degree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would sing in musicals. I would just make Kickstarter videos based on various <laughs> musical themes. Um, Hey, that's a good question. Someone asked me that. Yeah, recently. for for a long time, I wanted to be a, a, a like one of the fire spotters in the national parks. There, you like sit up in the tower for a long time and look for forest fires. So didn't even know that job existed yeah. until you said it. Apparently, it does. <laughs> Have you guys seen like the internet meme for confession bear? No, no. Oh, it's just that? like this, like sad-looking bear that's like confessing some shameful thing. <laughs> someone put like a, a Smokey the Bear hat on it and just said like, "You can't do shit about forest fires." That's <laughs> oh, <laughs> the real truth. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. was, I don't know. It was for me. I was. I'm trying to think. Like I, I studied in music in college. I never like 
from that age on, I never like pretended to like be focused on anything else. Yeah. But I was totally like a, ma- a hardcore math and science kid growing up. He has a t-shirt to prove it. I've oh, seen it. Oh yeah, he's worn it. My math field yeah. Math elite. Yeah. Well, you've seen one. You've seen one. That's I actually a really have good like one. five. Man, you gotta rock that more. All I'm gonna, five of them. I'm gonna take. It. That's actually all I'm gonna take to Europe. On you my should. Math field I dare t-shirts. you now publicly. <laughs> it's on. Come see us in Europe. I'll be wearing yeah. a math field. I'll be wearing a West Virginia Reese's featuring Aaron Lattice in a math field t-shirt. Be on the drum kit tonight. Um, you guys mentioned your, your Tinder Kickstarter. We talked about earlier in the show um, your little musical. Um, I did want to kind of raise the broader question on like how do you, other than part time jobs when you're not touring, um, how do you fund this music stuff? And obviously, Kickstarter is one avenue, and it just seems like the, the model's changing to these kinds mm-hmm. of direct patronage. And is that still something you guys pursue or? We haven't since the Kickstarter. I think I liked the Kickstarter idea as being this. I think when that happened, which was several years ago, I guess, um, thinking of it more as like a Kickstarter, kickstarting kick <laughs> a band, not so much something that we would rely on to yeah. fund the rest of it. It does get really tricky, though, because just on the outset of like, you know, offsetting the cost of a record alone, which eventually may, you know, recoup itself over a year or something, <laughs> like, I think a lot of that right now comes from our, you know, our pockets. And yeah. so it's kind of a... I guess that's bonded us a lot, you know. I guess that kind of like gamble. All invested. Yeah, we're all in it together of like trying to, and you know. But the Kickstarter idea, yeah. I like, and I think, like Indiegogo and different campaigns that, or people even pre-selling, pre-selling, pre-sale, pre-selling records yeah. to offset that kind of upfront massive cost is smart. But um, it does seem yeah. like the that stuff's great when you can get your fans to directly fund you in some way, and then it's like sort of this integrity loop is preserved yeah Um, because I don't know I saw this article do you guys know who Storm Gore is he's a professor at the university of uh, arts and music I know that Um, name but he he does studies on like top hits and stuff and he studied lyrics over the past like 50 years fascinating and in the past like 20 years references to products have gone up like 500% 500% or you know some crazy percentage oh, no. this isn't like he got this in the USA Today but basically people are selling their lyrics <laughs> that yeah. get repeated <laughs> That's so and I, like, I don't like begrudge musicians trying to find a way to live off of it like I'm not like some complete purist of like you made money no you're never <laughs> supposed to make money but <laughs> it is kind of like trying to find ways like stuff you're comfortable with like yeah that is I mean, tricky you ever want to see something hilarious there is so new order was offered a quarter million dollars to license blue monday to i want to say like sunkissed or crush or something <laughs> some orange soda and the company rewrote the blue monday lyrics and like they there this video actually exists on YouTube of like them having redone it, but like they couldn't they never released it as a commercial because the singer couldn't keep a straight face while he was trying to do it. <laughs> oh my god. Like apparently That's they great. put up this big sign with like two hundred fifty thousand, you know, in front of him and he just still couldn't do it without laughing. <laughs> So, oh my god! So the other trend in this article was that uh, saying your own name in songs has gone way up. And oh, interesting! It's not just rap, but like any genre, because I think it's like in remix culture and DJs are like they're less inclined to say who an artist is when they spin them. So if they're just in the song, 
hey, this is who I am, people are going to actually be able to realize who did the song originally. That's, that's, that's so interesting. Sort of like NASCAR drivers. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I don't, yeah, that's, that's, I don't know, that's, that's really fascinating. I mean, I, I brought up this topic to past episodes, just sort of how, like, you know, it's sort of a cliche now. The album is dying. You can't live off of album sales. And I don't know if that'll rebound or change, or you never know what's going to happen. But but is, isn't that kind of also a, a, a blip on the history of music, though? Like, yeah, it's a you weird little moment. You only ever could moment. live on album sales from, like, 1968 to 1998. <laughs> it was like, uh, who was it? Uh, R.E.M. signed that last huge <laughs> record contract and then and everything was, stopped. Like, you know, you know like, I mean, I, I feel there. Yeah, there's the question of can you live? Is it worthwhile to make an album? I think the question to that has a very direct answer of. Is it artistically worthwhile for what you are doing to put it in that format do you want to create something in that format? Um, I feel like if that's the way, if if that's the length of song, like if that is the length of the collection of songs that for you personally, artistically, come into a creative unit that expresses something, then yeah. I feel like if the, re- the reason people aren't, one reason that people might not be buying albums as much is... Yeah, iTunes, blah, blah, blah. But personally, as a music listener, I am an album-centric listener. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't give... Like, yeah, I'll I'll listen to a single or whatever, but I want, like, to go on a little journey. I want, like, my 45 minutes-ish of, like, a coherent musical statement. And I feel like unless you're making that sort of statement, which it's... You can make great music that's not in that but if you look like historically like what Jake's saying like if you look at the long arc yeah there was a period of time where like a dance suite of three songs was the preferred medium for a classical composer to express themselves you know and maybe we're in an era where the album is not going to be the dominant unit of thing if you if that's how it comes out of you then don't give a shit make an album Mm -hmm. and you also like maybe this newer like seeking patronage from people directly is actually more like the historical way of totally stuff that gets commissioned in some way or another absolutely Um, so not exactly related to this um i did want to ask like about like just advice or ideas you would give other musicians that are a little earlier in their journey and i mean i know there's the 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 stuff that everyone would say is like yeah you gotta kind of have good music in the first place that's (laughs) kind of important Um, you gotta network like a motherfucker you gotta be you can't be an asshole usually that's definitely true and that will always be true not just with music but But is there anything other secret sauce or, or i I think that it's when you start making music, you probably don't make the best best music. I'm sure I didn't, either. <laughs> but like just to keep going, I think that's probably the ultimate advice. And I think in any artistic career or any career, any any life for that matter, like you have so many peaks and troughs that knowing that it's worth keeping going and that you know you have to start somewhere, and it'll probably be an ugly, struggling start. <laughs> yeah. But if you just keep moving past that. I was actually just home in Olympia and I was going through a bunch of like 
backlogs of journals and embarrassing things. And amongst actually finding song notes for songs I was playing with Jake six years ago, which was hilarious, um, I found really horrible, like embarrassing song starts or like. Nice. So you, it just that in and of itself was like this little time capsule to be like, oh look, you actually just kept going, and no one ever yeah. had to see this, which is good. But did you yeah. guys see the Inside Lewin Davis movie? I haven't seen that uh, yet. Really That's on my list. Made. I don't think this is a spoiler, but there's a, a plot <laughs> point where his sister like finds his like formation, formative stuff, like a, mm. a box mm. in their parents' house, and. He's, he's like no one wants that crap. You got to preserve the mystery. You got to have you just emerged out of the ether, fully formed as this amazing artist. And you never had any bad songs, of course. And um, it just happens later in the movie that she's like fine and like throws it away. And then later in the movie, he really wants that stuff. Uh, and he's yeah. like, damn it. Yeah. You know, one one kind of uh, like more not how to make it in music because. If I knew, I would not be working yeah, a, in a bed and there's breakfast. There's probably a million ways, and most but, would never work. Yeah, one kind of practical bit of advice for people joining bands is since the like sort of recently traditional model of mm. having an A and R guy, a booking agent, a record label, so on, isn't really there for the vast majority of people. Um, develop some other skill like be the person who makes the posters or who has the car or books the shows or knows how to fix things and then people will have to keep you in the band at least just be so consistently there and ready to go yeah. that no one is like man we gotta cut that guy loose yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Slow I mean, us down. I mean, that is so true it's like a, a band is more than just to, to be a working band today yeah what Jake said I'm complete agreement yeah those the same support structures are not there in the same way so I'm trying to think there's a great interview I read with a couple of the members of Modesky, Martin, and Wood, who are this, you know, sort of jazz funk trio that have been doing their thing since, like, I don't know, like, nine, their first album was, like, 91 or something like that, mm-hmm. um, where they talked about, like, oh, how, somebody asked, like, how, how did you guys succeed? And they're like, oh, yeah, well, the first five years were, like, based on the fact that so-and-so, like, called ahead and booked the gigs, while so-and-so was driving and the other member was, like, cooking. And it's, like, literally, like, they divided their, like, yeah. tasks to, like, your jobs to, like, figure out where we're staying and where we're playing. Your jobs to drive the van. Your job is to fix the van when it breaks and cook <laughs> the food. And literally, you know, your there's that. Your schmooze with everyone we meet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, like, it's, like, that's, it. it's, it's okay to do that. And my other sort of related thought would be, um the biggest problem I saw going through music school were people who identified solely as musicians to the point where they cut off every other part of their personality and their interests. Like, no, if you want to connect with people, you need to be a person (laughs) who just happens to play music. Like don't stop reading books. Don't stop seeing movies or like being in relationships or doing dumb shit on the weekends. It's okay. Like, like, yeah, yeah. You can just, you can play music as part of your life, not everything. Yeah. It's interesting. That's great. So I want to thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. Talking with me. Um, 
So you guys have your EP release show and tour kickoff March 27th at one of my favorite venues in town, Denver Syntax yeah. Music Opera. We love yes, that sir. spot so much. We're and so uh, not just you guys, but Natalie Tate, Natalie one of Tate. you, will be opening, and also Eros and the Escaton. Yeah, those guys are awesome. awesome. We love those they're guys. They're good friends. I had to look up Escaton. Colorado Springs. Love yeah. in the yeah. end of the world. Yeah. Um, they're dreamboats. So oh, and one other thing that you guys, you're going to get, uh, you're going to get to go on Day Trotter. Oh my gosh. That's, yeah, that's just awesome. So I don't really have that. a question. I just think that's cool. <laughs> that's just yeah. that's pretty amazing. It's a huge, yeah. huge honor. We're really excited about yeah. that. Yeah. Sweet. Well, we'll have links to all this stuff. Your EP, which mm-hmm. uh, this is getting released pretty close, so um, we'll link to your Bandcamp and your website and all that jazz. Um, anywhere else you'd want to send people or last words, things you want to say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going on tour. Oh, we're going on a massive tour. That's right. Yeah. So if you try to call us, we'll be going yeah. for about and a direct, a direct call out to my friend Matt in Germany. You have to see them. When Matt, oh. come hang out with us. If we'll anyone, buy, you, buy you drinks. If anyone wants to um, sublet a charming studio apartment in Denver for April and May, <laughs> it's look right. <laughs> we'll, we'll link to the Craigslist. And if anybody wants to play music in Dublin, Ireland, while I'm hanging out there for a couple months <laughs> after the tour... Uh, I'm available. <laughs> so he knows how to play the Bodron. <laughs> that I do. All right. So you'll be able to find these show notes at sunriserobot.net slash pseudo show slash 19. And uh, some other things you should do while you're there. You should go to our iTunes page and rate us and review us because that helps our podcast. Um, uh, you can also support us directly at our Patreon at patreon.com slash sunriserobot. And a special shout-out to Patreon supporter Bruce Edwards uh, for being one of our... Bruce! <laughs> no Bruce! One of our rock star level supporters on there. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for having us.